Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. After my friend Sylvia gave birth to her fourth child in five years, she climbed up onto a step stool in her kitchen and painted across the rafters, this too shall pass. We think that people show up at church when their children are little because the kids have started asking questions about God or death, or we're afraid they will, or they, we want them to be raised with something, whatever that means. I think parents show up because no one told us how hard it was going to be. We're overwhelmed by the relentlessness of raising these little peeps who, after all, arrived without operating instructions. With or without kids, I don't know anyone who just woke up one day and said, I think I'll go to church because life's a party and church is just one more way to keep the party going. We come because when the going gets rough, we're hoping for some relief, some encouragement that we can do it. Some company and a little enlightenment would be nice too. Here's something I love. Bo Lozoff, co-founder of the Human Kindness Project, says, you can do hard. In his book, It's a Meaningful Life, You Just Have to Practice, he writes, you can do hard, is one of my community's slogans, a way of reminding us that we need not run away in fear just because something is greatly challenging. It might be daunting, but we can do daunting. It might be scary, but we can do scary. No matter how bad it is, and it can be very bad, we can do it. A police officer is speaking. Anti-crime guys say you have to think like a criminal. How I'm working with it is pretty different. I see people as essentially of one good nature. That's who we are by birthright, and that's what I'm affirming in the course of a day on the job. They call us cops. To me, my job is I'm a peace officer, even when it gets to conflict. He continues, I had arrested a very angry man who singled me out for real animosity. When I had to take him to a paddy wagon, he spit on me. That was something. And he went after me with a chair. We handcuffed him and put him in the truck. Well, on the way, I just had to get past this picture of things. I affirmed to myself, this guy and I are brothers in love. When we got to the station, I was moved spontaneously spontaneously to say, look, if I've done anything to offend you, I apologize. Paddy wagon dryer looked at me as if I were totally nuts. The next day, I had to take this man from where he'd been housed overnight to criminal court. When I picked him up, I thought, well, if I trust this vision, I'm not going to have to handcuff him. 
and I didn't. We got to a spot in the middle of the corridor, which was the place where he'd have jumped me if he had that intention, and he stopped, and I stopped. And then he said, you know, I thought about what you said yesterday, and I want to apologize. I just felt this deep appreciation, a kind of healing. He concludes, so what really happens if we're going to explore whether or not this vision of our one good nature really has power? Maybe people will say you're taking chances, but you're taking chances without any vision. Your vision is your protection. Maybe they'll say you're sentimentalizing people, that it's idealistic that things could never be this way, Well, for me, things are this way. It's just up to us to know that more clearly. I see that my work is to hold on to an image of who we all truly are and to be guided by that. I have been guided by that, he says, to greater strength and security within myself and on the streets. One of my favorite questions is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? When we give in and collapse under the weight of our fear and fail to be accountable to our deepest longing because we're telling ourselves that it's just too hard, when we quit when the going gets rough, we betray our vision and shortchange our lives. What would you do if you weren't afraid? When we really engage the question, we lift our eyes from the chasm before us to a higher vision, and just maybe we see the way across. When we take the fear out of the equation, when we stand up to how hard it's going to be and affirm that we can do hard, we tap into a wellspring of courage and perseverance that we didn't know we possessed. Diamonds are just coal that has done well under pressure. In the 16th century Jewish mystic Isaac Luria called all of humanity to what he named tikkun cholam, the repair of the world. During the High Holy Days last month, Laura Yvonne Steinman, our religious educator, told this story. A teacher shreds an image of the earth into a thousand tiny pieces and then assigns a student to putting it back together. Perhaps it's not as cruel as it sounds. Perhaps the teacher had in mind a lesson on surrender. But it's not what the student learns. Days go by, and then the student brings to the teacher the earth, reconstituted. The teacher is dumbfounded. How did you do it? Well, says the student, on the back of the picture of the earth was a picture of me. I thought, I don't know how to put the earth together but I know what I look like. I could start with me.
the repair of the world. To repair the world by repairing ourselves, to repair ourselves by repairing the world. It's hard work, and it is the work to which we are called. We can do hard. Some really good news is that we, you can do hard does not have to be singular, you singular. We step onto the spiritual path knowing that while we make our own way, we walk in the footprints of others who have made the journey before us. At best, we find like-minded and like-hearted people to go with us, to do hard with us. This great company is the beloved community of memory and hope. I don't know anyone who got anywhere meaningful without some suffering. We wouldn't choose it, but we don't have to. It comes with being alive in a human body. And it's up to us whether our suffering is going to make us contract or expand. We can arm and armor ourselves, or we can make like an oyster and transform all that grit in the works, as irritating and painful as it is, into a pearl of a life. We can do hard, says yes to change, to growth, to life. Carlos Castaneda's great teacher, the Yaqui shaman Don Juan, spoke of the difference between being an ordinary person and a warrior. To be an ordinary person, he said, is to see everything in life as either a blessing or a curse. To be a warrior is to see everything as a challenge. We know how it feels to live with anger, hatred, and alienation. We know, too, how it feels to live with forgiveness and friendliness and a sense of deep connection. Love is not for cowards. It might be easier to be bitter, but we can make a courageous choice, choose love, and do hard. We are called to be warriors of the spirit. One more story familiar to some of you from the great Hindu myth, the Ramayana. Hanuman, a monkey, is asked to serve Prince Rama by leaping across the Indian Ocean to carry Rama's gold ring and a message of love to his beloved wife, Princess Sita, who is being held hostage on the island of Sri Lanka by the evil, ten-headed, twenty-armed demon king, Ravana. Hanuman, the monkey, has grave doubts as to whether or not he will be able to do it, and no idea about what waits him on the other shore. Perhaps there's someone else, he thinks, someone better suited to the job than a monkey. But as the tale tells it, there was dismay and faint sorrow, and it was time to be strong. Hanuman agrees to deliver the ring. The little monkey is the symbol of total devotion and selfless service. It is said that he is so close to Rama, which is a variation of Ram, the word for God, that he is known as the breath of Ram, or as we might say it, spirit. 
So here's my favorite part of the Ramayana. This is from a translation by William Buck. Hanuman climbed a high hilltop and looked out over the vast ocean. He held his breath and sucked in his stomach. He frisked his tail and raised it a little on the end. He bent his knees and swung back his arms and on one finger gleamed Rama's gold ring. And then, without pausing to think, he drew in his neck, laid back his ears, and jumped. It was grand. It was the greatest leap ever taken. The speed of Hanuman's jump pulled blossoms and flowers into the air after him, and they fell like little stars on the waving treetops. The animals on the beach had never seen such a thing. They cheered Hanuman. And then the air burned from his passage, and red clouds flamed over the sky, and Hanuman was far out of sight. Beloved spiritual companions, may we affirm the vision of humankind's one good nature. Love is not for cowards. Say, diamonds are just coal that has done well under pressure. Paint across the rafters, this too shall pass. Ask, what would you do if you weren't afraid? We are called to be warriors of the spirit. We are called to tikkun cholam, the healing of the world. It begins and ends with us. Courage, let us sleep. Together, we can do hard.